Welcome to Milkmaid's Podcast, the unconventional homesteading podcast. I'm Stephanie from Wyoming. And I'm Tara from Montana. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into an inclusive homesteading topic from canning, dairy animals, gardening, animal husbandry, and everything in between. I missed you. Hey, Tara. I missed you a lot. I'm back. I missed you. I mostly wanted you to record just so I could see you on Zoom. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. So That's it just all. works out that people like listen to us and stuff. So. Right. So right. you had a baby. So that happens. Yeah. Had a kid. It was good. Of course, my water broke while I was milking the cow. I love so that for you. Of course, I finished milking the cow. You have to. Right. And finished rest chores and went to the hospital and had a kid, whatever it was, eight, nine hours later. And it was good. It was an easy birth and he's fantastic. He's healthy. Um, We had a little bit of jaundice stuff, but that's fairly common. So we're through that and he's home and he's snoozing on the table while we record. Great. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. He's right here. Look, not that I get to see all of our listeners can see. Oh, okay. (laughs) There he is. Yeah. Well, you made a nest for him. It's uh. What yeah, I the... don't have him just rolling around the table. No, no, no. He's not <laughs> right? flat on the table. Right. There <laughs> he goes. It, newborns can't really, you know, roll anyway. No. Yeah, no. he's fine. Yeah, he has a little nest there. And he's it, out cold. He seriously is. Yeah. I love that age because you could practically vacuum. In fact, when my kids were that little, mm-hmm. wise tip for anyone that chooses to have kids, I would vacuum when they're that age sleeping. Yeah. So... You don't Desensitizes have to, them. Right, right. You yeah. don't have to be quiet in your house when they're taking naps when they're older. Yeah. And it totally worked. Mine can sleep through an earthquake, I think. So Yeah, it's interesting. Um I mean my first one grew up with four dogs in the house yeah. that barked nonstop almost. <laughs> you couldn't so keep you them would quiet. Think, you would think that would do it, but she's a very yeah. light sleeper. But this one sleeps through literally everything. Yeah. Good. Everything. Like she'll go around the house like doing her screaming stuff that makes you want to just climb the walls yeah and he like won't even nudge he's not even bothered uh-uh. by it no good no he's a sleeper this guy he is yeah this guy's he's growing right my first one never did that the newborn sleeping so i know that's crazy too. yeah it was it's been kind of a weird thing like is, is he okay Everybody's yeah, like, yeah they that's just a newborn. love to sleep yeah right <laughs> first one never did so yeah i should have been concerned maybe then and wasn't <laughs> Well, that's what happens if you have a good baby. They're yeah. terrible toddlers. Well, so right. I am planning for him when he is two. He's going to be like my third, and he's going to rip your fixtures, your light fixtures, good. out of the ceiling. That's good. what's going to happen, <laughs> just from experience. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, because the first one was a little wild, and she's a pretty good toddler. Exactly. Yeah, that's how it works out. I just know good. these things. Good, good, good. <laughs> you have to balance it. So, who are we shouting out this week? Our shout out this week goes to the Society of Inclusive Blacksmiths. The Society of Inclusive Blacksmiths was started when 11 blacksmiths gathered in August of 2018 to work on a sculpture together and also address the need for an inclusive environment in the blacksmithing community. So all of these women from across the globe with unique and diverse backgrounds in metalwork came together in order to bring their ideas to life. It's just a good old fashioned collaboration. I love that. 
they really addressed the lack of inclusivity that they had felt through the years of their blacksmithing careers, and they took action by creating a space that listens, supports, and educates everyone, no matter what your gender, sexuality, race, or physical limitations are. They started a three-month online mentorship for those who want to get started, a thriving online community for support, and they also fund scholarships for those who are upcoming blacksmiths. The Society of Inclusive Blacksmiths plan on hosting events in the future and are really looking to expand. So their goal is to highlight those who have had less visibility in the craft in the past. And if you are an experienced blacksmith that is like-minded and have at least three years of experience, along with being able to commit to four hours per month to mentor someone, you can sign up to volunteer to do so. I really think if you are a blacksmith and you love your craft, this is an excellent way to give back. And it's just not that big of a commitment. No. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Even I, who barely has time to sit down, can find right. four hours per month to mentor someone right. if I were passionate about something. And I think that some way to expand what you know into the universe is by giving back this way, and it's a great way to do so. Oh, absolutely. If you are able to have access to tools and are able to commit some time to getting better at your craft, so if you want to get into blacksmithing, you can sign up to be a mentee as well. I call them protégés because I watch Seinfeld, so. (laughs) The mentor-protégé relationship. Right. (laughs) And the best way to learn is by seeking direction from someone who is more experienced. It's so nice to be able to just shoot off a message and be like, hey, I have this situation going on with XYZ. What do you recommend? What's the best way to approach this? Yeah, and as I understand it, they're mentoring on, like, blacksmithing skills, sure, but also, like, business stuff right your blacksmithing business which is really cool because i know that a lot of us small business people it's hard to know it's hard to even know all the caps you're supposed to wear let alone figure out how to wear them so right yeah and then there's going to be specific questions to the business you want to run so exactly somebody who's selling like paper goods cannot give you information on blacksmithing right businesses necessarily so if you can debug that with somebody in your field that's excellent If this is something you are interested in supporting, you can donate to their cause at www.inclusiveblacksmiths.com. They also feature stories from these really incredible people who overcame so many obstacles in order to do what they love. It just really resonated with me, and I'm sure you too, Steph. Oh, totally. I'm like a (laughs) – I want to be a blacksmith. Yeah. That's all I really want to do. One child and my husband, right. they're all about it. We, we are all three obsessed with blacksmithing right. at the moment. And mm-hmm. I couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that for them. Like, I want to encourage it for them. No, and I you. love that for you. I love that for you. I'm just <laughs> not interested in blacksmithing. But having a passion like that, it, like, fuels you. Right. So I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Good for you guys. We'll get there. <laughs> Maybe we should sign up. We would just really like to get the word out about this community. So please give them like a like and a share and some of their IG posts. We will be sharing that on our Instagram as well. Yeah, I'd love it. I think it's really good too. We've reached a lot of people just by sharing our stories on Instagram. So if you have two seconds to like get on their Instagram and share it to your story, that's excellent too. There's might be somebody on your friends list that's looking for that, but they don't know where to start. So if you can get that word out too, that's so helpful. Yeah, because half of what our shout outs are about are helping the company or business or community movement, community, whatever it is that we're shouting out. Yeah. Um, And the other half of it is helping our listeners connect with those people. Yeah. Right. And we've made so many connections already. Right. 
Right. And sometimes you don't even know what to Google or what to ask or, right. you know what I mean? Or, oh, I didn't even know that was there. So yeah. Yeah. Share that. It's important. Steph, you should sign up to be a protege. I should. On my free time. Right. You Maybe once so he much turns of it. three weeks, I'll do that. Right, right. <laughs> You'll have plenty of time between breastfeeding and doing right. that, right? Blacksmithing. Right. Breastfeeding and blacksmithing. <laughs> That's my new blog. Yes. Trademark. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> That's got to be a thing, right? It's got to be. Now you. Now it is. Now it is. If it, TM, if it wasn't TM, already. TM. TM. <laughs> I love that, actually. <laughs> breastfeeding and blacksmithing. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye. I'm off to make some shirts. <laughs> well, that's amazing. If you want to buy a shirt from us that says breastfeeding and blacksmithing. Please do. Please do. Or uh, ask us any questions. Send us any shout outs. Send us a Gmail at milkmaidspodcast at gmail.com. It could be any type of Gmail. Email. doesn't have to be a Gmail. It doesn't I do that have all the to time. be a Gmail. <laughs> Please send us a Gmail. All specifically. Yahoo accounts will be ignored. I apologize. I'm probably the only one that still has a Yahoo. My account. husband does because he's old Bless. fashioned. I think that Brian and I are more alike than yeah. we care to admit. Honestly, it's true. yeah, it's true. Down to the email. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Leave us a review on iTunes. You can do that on Spotify now too. Yeah. I was just gonna say that. Did I already tell you that? Oh no, you listened to the episode. You said that in our last episode that I wasn't even a part of, but I listen right, right. to Melanie's podcast, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> Marissa was here. So yes, yeah. you can rate on Spotify. So please do that. It helps a yeah. lot. And I've been rating podcasts and I listen to like a lot of um I don't want to say indie. I'm used to music being indie, but I think it's like smaller podcasts and I've yeah. been leaving them uh five stars too. So just do that for smaller ones that helps a lot. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then you can reach us on Facebook or Instagram at Milkmaids Podcast. So Stephanie Yes. I know that you mentioned chick prices. Do you want to talk about that just really quick? I know you didn't write anything down here, but no. it's kind of important. Um, well, I, right. It is important other than I haven't checked any other sites. Just yours. Yeah, I had messaged Chara because my um, usual hatchery that I love and will still use for the record because I was toying around with not using them and just getting something local because we're going to do really small this year. But then it broke my heart to think about dealing with any inconsistencies. So I'm like, nope, I'm just going to get from right. where we always have. Yeah. Even though it's a small order, they take small orders. I'm sure they love small orders. But yeah, chick prices have like almost doubled. Through which hatchery? So I'm talking about Moyer Hatchery in particular. And I'm yeah. only talking about Cornish Cross. I've not looked at the others. But they're expensive now. So, right. I, like I hesitate because I'm really not trying to talk trash on the hatcheries because this all trickles down from somewhere, right? It's inflation, honestly. Yeah. Like everything is expensive now. Just across the board. And yeah, sourcing feed because the people producing the eggs have to feed them, right? Right. Um, so it's all, yeah, it all it all comes from somewhere. But anyhow, if you guys haven't looked at chicks or ordered chicks yet and are thinking about doing it for a business and weren't aware, go check your chick prices before you set too hard a prices this year. I sincerely hope that nobody based their prices off of last year or the year before because... Mm-hmm. That's devastating. And it ha- has happened to both of us where we price something and then <laughs> Me come to find every out. every single year. Right, right. Yeah. And I don't do that. And make people get mad about it. But I'm not losing my ass so you can get yeah. Walmart-priced pork. Right. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So just keep that in mind when you're doing pricing for your farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not your responsibility to lose money so other people can eat really well. Yeah, they could lose the money if they wanted to eat really well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a PSA from Milkmates. We really <laughs> could rant about that like a lot. We do, I feel like it gets brought up quite a bit. 
Right. But, but I it think is. That it's one of the like hot topics for small farmers. It, it, you just need a reminder. And then yeah. I was talking to my friend Jordan Green. Everyone knows him, farm builder. But he was saying that this person approached him and wanted piglets. So he's like, okay, yeah, we have these piglets and they're this price. And the guy's like, oh, well, that's too expensive. And he's like, okay. He says, that's fine. You don't have to buy them. And then Jordan was saying that these are the same type of people that start breeding them and realize there's no money in it mm-hmm. because you have to make your money somewhere and you're not if you sell your piglets for $75 each, right? right. So you really have to think about the long haul in this. Mm-hmm. And it's if you're getting a $150 piglet, there's a reason. It's because it costs $125 to right. make that work, not That's even including your time. I yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. It's like you do, you create your prices to be like what are perceived as so expensive. And the reality is like I made $2 off that chicken like, yeah. <laughs> or whatever right, it right. is. Yeah. Not accounting made, for your time. Right. Exactly. I made whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing. And I don't know how to bridge the gap really with customers on that. I try and be just as transparent as possible. Yeah. Um, telling them things like last year's feed prices were this dollar amount exactly. And now that's this dollar amount exactly. Or we're toying around with whether or not we offer chickens a share to any customers. But the fact that chick prices are doubled will be disclosed. Absolutely disclosed. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, who, who, who needs to eat that price? Right. It's like everybody's yeah. trying to deal with higher prices on really everything. It's not just chicks. No. And it's, it's not yeah. your responsibility to make up for that. No. Either. Unless no. you have some way to fix inflation right it's not your job no (laughs) no so anyways yeah it's just a good thing if you guys haven't ordered your chicks yet just be aware maybe think about looking at the chicks before you do any future planning yeah we're just getting 60 this year and i think total it's like 200 dollars. are you doing some you're doing some cornish what's the what no i'm doing all cornish you're not doing any freedom rangers no i got cornish from freedom ranger hatchery oh i thought you were gonna do a batch of each no. Was that ever the plan or am I completely making that up? I mean, it could be, but I forgot okay. already. <laughs> you're, you're only doing Cornish? Why? Uh, just because I don't have a lot of time in the summer because my kids do 4-H and I need to really focus on that. Unfortunately, that doesn't leave a lot of time for me to do my farm things as much yeah. as I would like. So yeah. it'll work out fine because we're going to butcher the last of our chickens in July. We don't have to worry about them during fair. So. Okay. Oh, so you're going to do two batches then? Yep. Okay. Well, cool. I'm excited. I didn't realize you were doing that. I knew you were getting some. Well, that's cool. I'm excited yeah. to see what you think of having Cornish around. Yeah. And then we'll just be compensated. Like my best friend here, she loves the chickens. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, she's family basically. So I'm just yeah. going to be compensated basically for what they cost. Right. Which is fine. I'm totally fine Well, you fine guys with that. trade a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you don't have to make money on things like that. But don't extend that too far out. You know what I mean? Right, right, your right. time is still something. Right. You set boundaries yeah. around things. Like yeah. it's not like this Facebook friend I met 20 years right. ago who I don't talk to. I'm yeah. not going to yeah. not gonna extend the offer to them. So. Right. What's been going on your farm? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no <laughs> You've idea. You've not been out there. I've been out of the office. Um, <laughs> away. Away. <laughs> yeah. Too bad you're, my husband has it set. So if he leaves for vacation or whatever sickness uh-huh. it emails back saying i'm away until this date too bad you can't extend that to animals like there's no email you can send to animals but that would be great fend for yourself right i'll be back i mean, yeah truly i'm just gonna repeat information from other people because i honestly right honestly have not been as doing you chores. should 
And the reason I haven't been doing chores, when I had my daughter, I had her in June. And I think I took a week, if that. I'm not even sure I took a full week and I was out there doing chores. But it was June. It. it was warm. Right. I thought of hauling a, well, two things. We weren't, we were only milking one goat at the time that I had her. Oh, yeah. And it was warm. So she could just roll around in her stroller with me. Yeah. This poor little dude, it's like, well, it was negative 17 yesterday morning. Holy cow. And whenever I checked the temperature, it was negative nine here this morning. But then I saw a report that was actually negative 18 this morning earlier. So anyways, it's just like, that just sounds miserable to try and bundle him up to stay warm enough in that. I know it's possible, but uh, so we... It's not ideal. No. No. And then kind of, honestly, kind of the bigger thing is that we're doing a milk, the milk machine now. Yeah. With the cow. And by the time she fills up the milk machine, it really shouldn't be lifting that. Right. So, like you need the, to heal. It takes a while to heal me. Right. Yeah. And I really can't risk going backwards on things. No. So that turned into like kind of a struggle. We had, or we have, I guess, a friend of ours who was happy to help with chores, but like she's got her own farm too. And she would have done it had we not figured out anything else. You know what I mean? She would have been yeah. happy to do it. But I got to thinking about it. And anyhow, the you guys don't need to know every single thought process, I suppose. But the, <laughs> the end of the story is that um, we decided to move Virgie down to once a day milking. Yeah. Um, she's six months or a little over six months into her lactation. At the time was getting about five to uh, on a good day, six gallons of milk, like five to five and a half is probably more accurate. And anyway, so it just created a situation where Brian could milk at night and the rest of the feeding chores this time of year takes nothing. It's like 10 minutes in the morning. Yeah. Get everybody yeah. hay. Uh, and then I just work on waters during the day or he'll do them at night. However right. Because yours out. takes a while to fill up. It does. So typically what I've been doing is like I'll run out there a couple hours before he gets home and turn on a hose. And then by the time he gets home to do chores, all he has to do is turn off the hose, you know? Right. That works so, out really well. Mm-hmm. So far, it's been good. I I know I talked with you, Tara, quite a bit about it. Like, is this right. a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Uh, Tara had the bright idea because I was kind of freaking out about it. I'm like, you know what? If I mess her up, I'm never going to forget. Oh, that's drastic. I, I was going to be very, <laughs> I'm never going to forgive myself. Um, Repent. Wow. I'm hormonal, you guys. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, if I mess it up, like if she gets mastitis out of this because I was selfish and didn't want to figure it out, right? I was going to be very angry at myself. But Tara's right. She's like, you have testing there, like tests. And if anything comes up, go back to twice a day milking. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's not hard to figure. And I think no. it's only because I had literally every issue you could have with a cow. Yeah. To where I couldn't even milk more than once a day because she would right. die. So, right. and she had mastitis. So right. I was like, you can figure this out. It's fine. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, sometimes you get too, well, I do anyways. Like I overthink a lot. Yeah. And so I get too far into my tunnel. And then somebody like you comes in with like a, well, duh. I'm like, oh, That's oh, what okay. we do for each other. <laughs> yeah. You should have a friend where you can bounce ideas off like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Be like, I'm in my tunnel and did not even think about that really simple solution to this problem. So anyways, that's what we're doing. So far, it's been working. I got my test results from day one today. Yeah. So, um, and they well, were all good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 800 APC and zero TC. So I'm going to get collect probably again tonight. And run another test and we'll just Perfect. keep running test hot and heavy for a little while here just to monitor and make sure because I'm very fortunate to have that already in place the right. on-farm testing so go listen to our on-farm testing episode Please. yes and get it set up in case you have a baby and want to move your cow to once a day milking 
just in case. <laughs> it's very specific niche group of people. Just, <laughs> there's, there's no one in our audience. Oh my gosh. So what's been going on on your farm? I think I told you, long story short, the day you had the baby, I think that was the same day that my kid, one of the twins came down with COVID. So yeah. all of the kids got COVID because long story short, there's no Pfizer vaccines here. We choose to vaccinate, but I couldn't get them vaccinated for a plethora of reasons. And also right. one is under five. My husband and I are vaccinated. I literally got my booster the week before. So we did not get sick at all. Like not That's at all. Awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. So we were fine. We just had to stay home. Right. Yeah. So the kids were home. I kept them home forever because like, who knows how yeah. long it stays in them. I just didn't want to get anybody else sick. Right. And they look out the window and they're like, mom, Johnny Rose is out, which is our boar. Oh, I completely forgot all about that. Yeah. Right. And it was weird. Because usually I can put milk in it. I have milk in buckets all the time because I have a yeah, cow. Right. It just is what it is. It so is. I grab that. We do like, too. Right. It's just yeah. something that happens. Yeah. You have lots of milk when you have a milk cow. So yeah. I go out there and I'm like, it's fine. He'll follow me. Our whole place is fenced. He just got out of his fence. That's the was, beautiful thing about your property that I'm really so jealous nice. of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so nice. Perimeter fencing. and animals yep. who always get out. This is the first time he got out. Out. I've had it happen with sows before, but... Mm -hmm. He wasn't coming. He was like foaming at the mouth and like chomping his jaws like he smelled a sow in heat. So a neighbor somewhere must have a sow in heat that I'm not yeah. aware of. But it was scary because they don't care about anything but that sow in heat when they get like that. So I yeah. had to like use a rake and guide him back to the place. Turns out the electric fence came down and so we had to move him to a smaller area and he's just being very aggressive. So um, just be careful when you have a boar. That's a thing. Like they're not pets no matter how nice he is. Yeah. Right when that sow must have gone out of heat, he was fine. Yeah. But like it's just a good they reminder. Turn, they get crazed. It's like they're right. not even there. Right. It's yeah. so weird. Sows can do the same thing when they're in standing heat. I was so. going to say, yeah, females. And it doesn't really matter what it is. No, Cows and it could can be, be the, the same way. It could yeah. be the nicest cooney coon pig, yeah. and it could be dangerous. Like that, they're not pets. No, no. So it drives no. me crazy when people treat them. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, they're all dangerous. They could all yeah. kill you. So that's just one of those things that you have to be aware of if you want to start a little farm. Yep, and a good but reminder. He's in there now. I just think he misses the girls and he's lonely. So I don't blame him. But they're gonna have babies here next month. So. Yeah. Be separated. But that's about Sweet. it. That's about it. I do want to take a minute and thank Marissa. I'm sure everybody loved that episode. I know I yeah. did. And I really appreciate you stepping in for me, Marissa. She's amazing. And yeah, like you're killing it. Just need yeah. you to know that. Yeah. She's probably going to be back on again. And it would yeah. be fun to do interviews with you, Steph. So hang tight for that. If you want to be on Milkmates podcast, email us. Let us know what you're up to. Yeah, no, I think that'd be awesome. And especially, yeah, picking a couple people and like following up with Marissa this time next year. Yeah. I feel like, okay, so you have these plans, how to go, you know what I right. mean? Right. Yeah. Because I think like before I decided to scale back our business here, my scale and size is very similar to Marissa's. Yeah. And um, it's hard to find information in between. Um, it is. The homesteading blogs and then like, 500 dairy cows you know what I mean? right it's like hard to find the in between and I think that's kind of why we started this podcast in a lot of ways is because we are the in between yeah um and then it's nice to hear from somebody from other people who are also the in between like right hey, we're there's all so many together. of them we're out all, there yeah. yeah yeah and I loved her message of building on this together like that's, exactly yeah that's what we all should be doing and I just yeah I loved her interview 
Thank you, Marissa, for doing that. Yeah, you can um, find Marissa at Spring Hill Heritage Farm. That episode's doing really well. If you haven't checked it out, please check it out. It was like literally the one just before this one. Yeah. So what are we talking about today, Steph? Well, I guess something else that I did uh, because because it's been <laughs> locked inside is uh, I, I did buy a couple seeds. A couple. To buy a couple seeds. I didn't think I was going <laughs> to need to buy any. Seeds. Just six, That's all. actually. Um, <laughs> no. Well, compared to years past where I've bought like the entire vegetable garden's worth of seeds. I like busted my butt saving seeds last year yeah, and we had a did. bunch collected and then I bought a bunch of fall sale seeds. Um, so I just didn't need that much. It was kind of nice. I got like some fun things too on my cool. seed list, but anyhow it's it. And also we cleaned up a little bit of our seed starting area because we should have started onions like a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. But didn't, and it's going to be just fine. So it's time to plant your garden if you haven't planned your garden. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get going too far, we want to send you guys back. If you haven't listened to them already, um, we do have a couple garden specific episodes, uh, garden types. Um, it's called all those garden types specifically. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, we also have one called lazy gardening and both of those were kind of fun. They have components of planning in them too. Some of this may overlap a touch, but. And I think our first one, we talked about seed companies Uh and like the differences between seeds. So check that one out. It's our very first episode. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing, then just jumping into it, because we're just going to kind of bullet point some thinking concepts here, right? Because the thing about gardens is they're so wildly different and everybody's circumstances is so wildly different that we can't plan your garden for you, but we can give you some things to think about. So footprint is usually a big big one for people. And it's sometimes the easiest thing to figure out and sometimes the hardest thing to figure out. It just depends on yeah. your property entirely. For me, I have um, like t- 20 plus acres of just open land, right? I could really put this thing anywhere I want. Right. Um, and any size I want, which I think kind of makes it more difficult in a way, a different kind of difficult. And I know that you, Tara, have, you have a deer problem, right? So you have a yeah. space specific area you have to keep your garden because you have your deer fence yeah um, and if i don't keep it in there then i need to think about what they won't eat yeah and you can put it out and hopefully they don't eat it which yeah there are certain breeds or not certain there's certain plants. uh plants that they won't eat so um, yeah. you can get around it that way have you ever experimented with that yeah i got a whole book on it actually yeah. so lavender is a great one if you're looking at flowers and then onions they won't touch Peppers, yeah. they won't touch. So I'm able to grow those without that. But then you run into the chicken problem. Right. <laughs> You've got a lot of predators. We'll talk about right. that too. And then like for some people, it's you guys have a suburban backyard or some people only have a balcony, right? So space can look like a lot of different things. And if you're one of those people who are on limited space, you're going to be looking into different ways to maximize that most likely. Whereas for me, um, people with unlimited space are trying to be mindful of keeping it manageable because... Right. It kind of, if you're overran with weeds and you have a really giant in-ground garden, you Mm -hmm. might just give up and get nothing. Yeah. Which has happened to me before. So yes. Yeah. And keeping it manageable is really the kind of the key for this entire episode, because no matter what you decide on for space, uh, you need to try and keep it something that you can handle. Go smaller if this is your first year than you would like to. Um, Maybe don't start your first year thinking I'm going to grow a year's worth of food. I think that's a fantastic idea. I try and do that every year, but maybe not for your first year, right? So you want to set yourself up to be successful because like you just said, if 
You're not. If you get overwhelmed right. at any point, you'll be done. And right. you may never garden again. That would be tragic. I know for us in the past, we've had like a 5,000 square foot garden, which is, I mean, it's tiny for a full scale veggie farm, but like way too big for an average family, especially us. We've got two adults and two tinies, right? And when it's in the full swing of the garden, it's an absolute beast to handle. Like even getting it planted is days and days and days worth of work. So with kids, that can be a huge challenge. It suited us well in the past. It's been a great size. The layout is perfect for the market garden. We've done a lot of things right. We've fed ourselves, numerous families with it, but we have scaled back, right? We're not, we're not doing for customers at the moment anyways. So this year, we're going to scale back our veggies quite a bit. I think we're going to keep the same footprint of the garden and do half of it in um, either flowers, specifically just flowers for the bees or cover crops or ideally bowls. We've been looking at yeah some different options there. Like we're looking at red clover because that would kind of satisfy both yeah both things there. It would help less soil. And then, you know, if we stay home scheduled, we'll just flip-flop the garden every year and get a, cover, a good cover crop on it every right. year, right? It's really nice to do that. Yeah. But, you know, with the way things are right now, if we were to do the full-size garden, I would spend the entire summer doing that and preserving. Yeah. And not, and not in fact, taking my break. So that's like the manageable thing. Just make sure you guys are being realistic on that. I know this time of year, we're all so cooped up in the house that we think that we would love to spend 12 hours outside on our hands and knees pulling Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? But Right. By August 15th, you're like, I, I wish everything would die. You're done Please with die. That. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I mean, like, that's just an example to, to show you guys that you, you know, if you have space, you don't have to use it all. It doesn't feel good to do something half-assed. No one really likes that. So that's it. Manageable. Whether that means 2,500 square foot to you or whether that means a single container. Start with whatever you feel comfortable with. Another quick thing to consider in the garden footprint planning is that, uh, or wherever your water source is. I don't want to say we didn't think about that. Uh, Our property has a weird water layout, but we ended up having to trench water over just to make it work better. So instead of having hoses drug all over hell and half of Georgia. So anyways, um, wherever your water source is, the easier you can make watering on yourself, the better. Yeah. And if you have hoses strung throughout your yard, great, it works. I promise when you go to mow the yard once a week and you have to pull all it's of so the frustrating. hoses up, you're going to be irritated with that. So, Or you could just get, you know, goats or cows and let them free roam and they'll eat around the hoses. Yes. That's what I do. Yeah. Well, I don't because I don't have perimeter <laughs> fencing. It's like if you're cool and have perimeter fencing... Yeah, and then why don't you talk about predators because you have them all. (laughs) You just like to make fun of me for this. Veggie predators. Yeah, so in a similar vein as footprint space, you'll want to consider if you have any veggie predators in your area. So in my area, and I think pretty much everywhere, deer are the main culprit for that. Do you have deer there, Steph? Well, so we have deer. um, And in the winter, like our garden is tore up right now because the deer will go in there. We leave it. We leave it over the winter um, for the butterflies and... I don't yeah. know. You're supposed to leave your garden. Yeah, yeah. Until um, it warms up to like 50 degrees. Exactly. We do the same thing. Yeah. But the deer go through and like kick up the snow and eat eat down the yeah. roads. Like you can yeah. see, them. You can see them cleaning things up. So I don't know if I'm helping the caterpillars or not. But luckily for us, all of the deer, um, they move down with the snow and up with the sun. Oh, so okay. during the growing season, they all move up the mountains and we have zero oh, that's issue so nice. This. Yeah. Yeah, which I would have lost money on. But here's what I did because we haven't lived here long, right? Is when we moved here, we were watching what everybody else was up to. 
snooping. Yeah, but like m- multiple of our neighbors have gardens and yeah. they have them in the ground with no fence. So that's why we decided to do it that way. Whereas Lucky. when you're driving through Montana by you, every garden Everyone. has a big old fence around it. Oh, yeah. So take note. If with you don't CDs know, around it and yeah. just anything, you can try to get animals to not go in it. But they still get in, so. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not sure what your predators are, just drive around for a little bit and that'll help you too. <laughs> that's good advice. Yeah. So, yeah, my entire garden has to be fenced. And we spend a considerate amount in the fall fixing the fence because I don't know why in the fall the deer just become assholes and they torpedo their ass through the fence. So She's not kidding, you guys. The first time she told me this, I'm like, excuse me? You're making this up, surely. Right. The funny thing. So then I saw the hole in person when I was there. Yeah. It is no bigger than a dinner plate, this hole. Like They're this like deer had to like, yeah, like somehow, <laughs> yes, it went like a dive, like front feet through to nose fence. all the way through. Yeah. It's like a diver. I have no idea how, and like, what were they thinking? <laughs> like, just... you know what? If I hit this thing hard enough, bro, I'm gonna go right through it. <laughs> they just knew. <laughs> Granted, it's not the best fence. It's like chicken wire, which I hate, but you know, we could only afford so much at the time. So we're trying to make so... it work. Okay. Right, but I just, yeah, it just blows me away. And this has not just happened to you once. I don't, I just don't get it. I don't either. They're just rude. That's what they, (laughs) They and they eat the tomatoes. They don't like them, but they keep trying them. So you'll find a bunch of half-eaten tomatoes on the ground. So don't leave it open if you have to do this either. They'll get in. Mm -hmm. It's a giant expense if you're going to go with deer fencing and it's a hassle to install you're going to have to know a little bit about fencing and this might limit you on space too that's why my garden is smaller than i'd prefer but there's only so much i can do and like us we were tight on the budget then and you can only afford so many feet of fencing and that will dictate how big your space is and they do not care i have a whole bunch of containers thinking that they won't get on the porches they totally get on the porches they don't care no (laughs) they give me the the middle hoof and say, I'm eating your, your vegetables. Oh my but this might go in the opposite direction too. You may say, I only want to deal with the fence installation once. So you'll just make a big fence and just keep that in mind that you, if this is your first time doing it, you might want to only do a smaller space in that fence and just get going with that. And we actually did that where we added on to the fence after a little yeah. while to have an in-ground garden. Yeah. Which is a lot easier to do if you're handy, if you have to hire it out. Right. And my mom, she has trouble with rabbits. Um, so she had to install a yeah. fence for that. They're just, I mean, they'll find you. Yeah. And that's, it's wherever you live, you might have issues. We're really lucky. It's just, it. I joke that it's so cold that it's not hospitable to anybody here. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really have bugs. We don't have, yeah, it's, it's funny like that. But, you know, we pay the price for the cold, right? But yeah, like I know my dad in Oregon struggles with moles. There's oh, ways yeah. you can get around that with different container gardening methods. Um, knowing your predators in your area will help you dictate right. what kind of garden you're going to do, how big you're going to do it, where you're going to put it, that kind of stuff as well. Right. So don't forget to think about them. So then in terms of what to actually plant, right? So this, I feel like I get asked this all the time, like, what do I plant? How much do I plant? So the biggest thing I'm going to tell you is only grow what you're going to eat. So if you don't like kale, don't grow it. Like, right. Even though it's like pretty. Kale is pretty. Yeah. If you Mm -hmm. want to do it ornamentally, great. But gardening can be a lot of work depending on how you have it set up. Like if you're in a in-ground garden, you will be fighting weeds, right? Yeah. And it's not fun to 
weed the kale area for 45 minutes and then not eat any kale. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially if this is your first garden. What Kind of what we do, and I know you do this as well to some degree, is we always try and pick something new every year. Yeah. And usually um, we pick something that like we haven't eaten before and or we can't buy in the grocery store. Right. That's the fun of right. it. So like last year we did bok choy and, and kohlrabi. Yeah. We could, we could buy bok choy in the grocery store, but not kohlrabi. And, right. And who's um, to say if it's good because... Well, yeah. And that too. Ugh. But we hadn't tried either one of them. Prayed so. it in. Right. <laughs> right. Now, when we when we try something new like that, we do a couple plants. You don't go crazy with it. You don't yeah. plant rows and rows. Totally. Yeah. So um, the second biggest tip then is to only grow what will actually grow in your area. Right. That's important. Mm-hmm. So like Tara and I aren't growing sweet potatoes up here in the Great White North. <laughs> Right. And then if you're in Georgia, you shouldn't be planting lettuce in July. Yeah, don't do that. Probably yeah. don't. Yeah, it's because, right, again, this whole thing is about manageable and setting yourself up for success. So from there, what I recommend is that you start a wish list. So go through a list of veggies or like a seed catalog. This is what I do every year. So I just flip through a seed catalog that has everything listed in a beautiful alphabetical order, and I can just write it down, the things that I would like to grow and that I will also eat, Right. So then from there, you have your like bulk wish list, your giant wish list. And now you can go through and look up details on each thing. And like, I can't stress enough the value of a good seed catalog. Regardless of how you feel about like Johnny Select Seeds, their catalog is awesome for this specific purpose. And that every catalog listing will have like days to maturity zone. Yeah. That kind of stuff right there. You don't have to like type that in. And look what it up. zone is radish you know what i mean or whatever mm-hmm. right so because you can just flip so i'll just flip through and then i'll like either highlight the things that will actually work or cross off the things that won't right yeah um, i love sweet potatoes they got crossed right off real quick you know right when i was first learning so now that you have your list down to the things that you will eat and also the things that will grow well in your area you're gonna want to check for some specifics like soil requirements or physical requirements Soil requirements are numerous and can be super overwhelming and typically don't really matter unless you live in an extreme area. As long as you have like days to maturity will fit inside your gardening zone, you're probably going to be okay for 99% of things. Right. There'll be certain things that, that won't. So like we have an alkaline soil, blueberries love acidic soil, right? Yeah. Um, but there's very few things like that. And Sometimes when you start looking into these soil specifics, it'll be like loves nitrogen. And then you're like, okay, well, how do I add nitrogen to this two right. square foot area? Right. Don't get, don't get into the weeds that far. No. Just, just look at the quick stuff. Like will not grow an alkaline soil. Okay. I have alkaline soil crossed off the list. Right. Right. That's all. That's really all about the, the, the soil specifics. Next, in terms of specifics, some other things you might be interested in is knowing, say something's a trellising plant. And you are not a handy person and you have zero interest in building any sort of trellis, then get bush beans, don't get pole beans. Right. Right. Most of the trellising plants, there's either a different way to grow them or a different variety that does not require trellising. Right. So that's one thing. And then another kind of fun thing to look at too is that if you are, like we live in kind of a drier area and there's certain plants that are thirsty girls and certain plants that are not, right? Yeah. So, you can kind of play with that too. If you're interested in like a less water garden, there's definitely options there. If you, right. if water isn't an issue for you, then so be it. Right. But now, right. So after you've gone through a couple of those things, you've got a really good list 
of what will work for you and what you're interested in growing. So if it is not your first time, you probably have a running list of things in your head already. Um, what's worked for you, what hasn't. And that's like our, like I was saying, our favorite thing to do then to spice things up a little bit is to try something new. And there's so many new things to try too. So so how much should you plant? This is another question whose answer will be like wildly different from each person because my family is a lot bigger. I have three kids, two adults, and they eat a lot, right? Yeah. So if you are limited on space, you'll probably fill the space and call it good. However, if you are getting going at this from a homesteading self-sufficiency angle, you'll have a lot more questions. So how many bean plants would you need to sustain your family for a year, for example? This one is tricky to answer because there are so many variables involved. There are charts out there that tell you how many plants to plant to feed one person. You can see them on Pinterest all the time. All the time. And these can be great jumping off points for sure, but where they are limiting is that they tend to be inclusive and average. For example, the chart considers everything in that chart. So let's say that you want to grow 15 bush bean plants, 18 lima bean plants, 12 dry bean plants, and that will sustain one person for a year. Where you have to do some independent thinking is that for like Steph's climate, for example, she can't grow lima beans or dry beans. So does that mean that I just skip those and only grow the 15 bush bean plants? Or should she just grow the same number of plants in the chart, but make them all bush beans? So who's to say, because maybe a bush bean produces different numbers than they were planning for. Yeah, you just can't get too locked into those things. No, but the point is these charts can be helpful to get you thinking and get the ball rolling, but don't get too stuck on them. And they are truly intended to be guides, not rules. Like my kids would not, absolutely not eat lima beans under any circumstances. circumstances. (laughs) Right. Not doing it. No. Right. So yeah. So grow a whole bunch of them, Tara. Well, that, if I just went off that and I was like, we're going to eat lima yeah. beans because I said so and I planted, I don't know. <laughs> because uh, the chart on Pinterest told me that that's what I needed to right. do. 10 right. rows or 10 plants for each person. Right. I'd be swimming in lima beans and starving my kids, apparently. <laughs> right. right. It's so rude. Oh you my think gosh. When you have kids, you think that they're just going to eat whatever you put in front of them and that's definitely mm. not the case. No. No. And then also I have a picky husband who won't eat certain things too. Okay, so the other thing is that some of these guides won't directly reflect what your garden is capable of. There could be a lot of variation with that. Say it's really hot that year and all your lettuce just bolts. You can't eat it. So there goes your Pinterest perfect chart. (laughs) (laughs) Whether there will be limitations on soil quality, water, or sometimes it's just a cucumber a year. I don't know what it is with my cucumber plants. They just do not care about me, right? And I just know that, that I cannot successfully grow cucumbers. It is what it is. Well, not... Since I've been here, no. Really? I've only got like four. Yeah, I don't, um, I've had good luck with cucumbers every year, but like cauliflower, I either right. get like every single plant has a huge, beautiful head, or I don't get a single head of cauliflower out of yeah. like 50 plants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. Like Sometimes you can't it's just, one year. Yeah. Right. Count on that exactly. to sustain you. It's just not easy, right? So right. truly the best way to go about this is to just try for a few years and see how you do. Like I know that bush beans, they bang in my garden. They're just amazing. Yeah. So I grow a ton of those because they're easy to put up. If I don't feel like pressure canning, I can put them in a vinegar type situation and make dilly beans. So yes. and we eat those like crazy. We yeah. are on our last jar now. So vinegar situation. <laughs> That's not the technical term. <laughs> How do you make pickles? In a vinegar situation, right? Just put them in a vinegar situation. <laughs> 
This is going to fluctuate over the years. Totally normal. So for Steph, they have done two 30-foot market garden rows, planted two roads wide of green beans every year for a total of 120 feet of green beans planted four inches apart. That's 480 plants, friends. So so many. (laughs) Now they have so many green beans preserved, like right now as we speak, that they could completely skip green beans entirely next year and be just fine. Are you going to skip green beans next year? No, because they're my favorite plant. Dude, fresh green beans. <laughs> I know. Cooked in bacon grease. And they're my favorite thing to grow. They're so Hands easy. Hands down. Right. Like, you don't start them inside. No. Very quickly, they're choking out the weeds. Yeah, yeah. And they make beautiful little flowers that the bees love. Yeah. And then, boom. They're winners. And there's nothing like fresh green beans. Right. Yeah. So if you struggle with growing everything, just grow your entire garden of green beans. Yeah. Just kidding. Don't do that. No. But maybe. <laughs> monocrop your own garden <laughs> why not <laughs> that's all hey you know what beans contribute back to the soil yeah it's not a bad do. way to go no no they're helping <laughs> just eat beans for a living just eat beans so probably our best advice would be to take your list and try to allocate percentages or some sort of scale to each item so make notes of the things you eat the most like throughout the winter now is a good time then plant the most of those items. If it's something you only eat a little of, or better yet, something that cannot be preserved, only grow a little of that. I struggle with that terribly with lettuce because we eat so much. And I always think, oh, I'll just plant this whole bed with lettuce, but it bolts mm. by the time oh. you try to eat all of it. It's just yeah. one of those things. Uh, we usually have a ton of lettuce in the spring. And then I can't seem to succession plant to save my life. Right. It's one of those things. Because I've got too much going on. So I'm hoping with scaling back a little bit, we can be better at Focused. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. So where to plant stuff, right? So this one varies based on your personality. There'll be those of you who just wing it. And then there'll be those of you with spreadsheets. So we're on the opposite <laughs> spectrum of this. I just wing it. <laughs> Stephanie is color-coded. She makes it's, diagrams. I have a whole binder. It's a thing. So I was like wildly intimidated by spacing and planting my first time gardening. And I went like psychotic type A on it, right? So I tried with spreadsheets, but I'm just like not quite technically advanced enough for that. So I ended up, what I ended up with is a poster board and post-it notes. Yeah. not. So, <laughs> um, and I bought like. Stephanie. Pepe Silvia. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> you look like Charlie. Who's Pepe Silvia? <laughs> Cigarette hanging out of my mouth, freaking out, hair sticking up on ends. The mail uh-huh. never stops. <laughs> it never stops. <laughs> right. So, um, anyhow, <laughs> now you got me shook. Yeah, I like got post-it notes that were different sizes and different colors based on like different footprints in the garden. I did this poster board to scale of what it should look like. 3D um, model space. It really was like a modeled garden. <laughs> Anyways, so if you are psychotic in type A as well, hi, you're my people. <laughs> Secondly, take some time this winter to plan things out indoors. So my poster board thing worked great. I ended up taking a picture of it um, in the house and then was able to take that around my garden. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it just soothes the anxiety when it comes time to planting. Like I already have a plan. I already know where it's going to go and how. So if you're like that, great. If you're not like that, I wish I was you. Go p- just put stuff in the ground. That's what <laughs> I do. Delightful. It's called chaos gardening, and it's it really working so out. It's so relaxing. For me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, if I have extra seeds that I didn't know I had, great. They go in the ground. It's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I wish. I wish <laughs> I could be that chill. I will say that I did a poster board for the first year and then it's like after that you kind of get a better idea of how many go in a row and yeah that kind of thing so right. but if you are nervous or anxious about it do it take some time and do it it's kind of fun yeah and it it if that do whatever it takes to soothe you enough to get get it done going yeah, yeah. Really, the first year is the hardest by far. Another thing to look into when considering a garden layout is companion planting. Companion planting. Planning. Yep. Companion planting planning. Right. (laughs) You're welcome. Right. Um, So this is like a wildly fun topic, which I'm sure we'll do like an entire episode on. We can do that. Yeah. Um, It's our podcast. Who's going to tell us no? I like how I just, like, can we, can we do this? Right. We do what we want. (laughs) Um, we won't go into it a ton. It really is a, a big topic. Just um, essentially know that there's plants that work together to help themselves thrive. And then the opposite can be true in plants who simply don't enjoy being neighbors. So one example is like a lot of things do not like onions and garlic. They just don't. So, But onions and garlic like each other. So maybe plant right. them on one end of your garden, right? Another really cool example is uh, tomatoes and marigolds do awesome. Uh, marigolds deter bugs that would otherwise damage your tomatoes so yeah there's a lot of things and then some companion plants you'll plant next to it and the bugs will eat that instead of the vegetable right there's a lot to know if you're feeling like it's january and you want to learn something else dive, dive into in. that it's really cool if not wait for our episode she'll come i have a fun. book um it's square foot gardening by mel bartholomew yeah rest in peace and he actually has charts in the back of yeah. what goes well with that. And even if you're not going to square foot garden, it is so fast to look at that and be like, okay, yeah. this works well with that. It's just an amazing book. So if you want to look into that book, definitely do. It's just so good to grab and go. Totally. So sourcing plants and seeds. Deciding on whether you will buy seeds or seedlings largely depends on you and your abilities and what's available around you. Some plants are directly sown, meaning grown directly in the garden, ground from seed, like green beans, for example. They're just great at that. And some will be transplanted as seedlings. So you need to know that. You can't necessarily start carrots inside because they just do not transplant. No. But on the bright side, they do amazing when you direct seed them. Yeah. And if you guys are at all wondering about that, A, your seed packets will tell you. Yes. But there's also stuff online. Seed catalogs will tell you as well. Again, the Square Foot Garden by Mel (laughs) Bartholomew tells you. So Yeah. And you can take your wish list and create another list of items that will be directly sown and those that are transplanted. And once you get good at this, you'll just remember like, okay, during February, I have to start this, this, and this inside. However, I can directly sow sow these seeds. And personally, I am terrible at starting seeds. I don't have a lot of room in my house. I just don't start seeds, Mm -hmm. period. So that means that I'm buying locally starts. And that's just what works for me. Like onions, I have a really good source for. So I try to do that. It doesn't yeah. mean that you fail completely. Like Steph, no. she goes really deep into it and starts most of her seeds. I can't do that. Yeah, but I don't know. We're not going to go hog wild this year. The reason I've done that in the past is because growing a market garden for all of the families that we did, yeah. it was financially unavailable to me to buy all of those right. local. Exactly. But this year, I think we're going to buy quite a few. Right, since um, it's your family. Yeah. And just because like, yeah, two kids and the baby more importantly, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, might be kind of a lot this year. So anyways, yeah, you can, just because you do it one way one year, doesn't mean you have to do it the next. And, um, again, set yourself up for success. So if you're thinking that you don't want to venture into the world of starting your own seeds, that's fine. You'll just want to find like a local farm. Like I do my feed store 
has the best onion starts and that's where I get mine. And you can like even call some of these places ahead of time to just to make sure that they will carry the plants that you want. Another good example of this is like strawberry Mm -hmm. starts. That's a great way to source them. It's not necessarily easy to start them from seed. It's a whole thing. Yeah. If you do want to start seeds of your own, great. It's a lot of work, but it does open up quite a few possibilities for you. The option of varieties are much more plentiful. Say we did a shout out of a seed company before and they carry very niche specific seeds that you could not otherwise get. Like I can't go to any place around here and grab a start from that. I can order it from there and start it myself. Right. And this brings us to buying seeds, either for seeds starting indoors or directly sowing them. First and foremost, if you are new to this or have struggled in the past or just live in an extreme climate, just start with hybrids. And can you give the proper definition of a hybrid, Steph? Yeah. So we talked about hybrids a ton. I think it was in our, was first, it in our seed, right? The first, yeah, the first episode. Our first episode um, yeah. Hybrids are not scary. So people tend to think, you know, I want all heirloom, right? Which heirloom really just means that this plant has a story behind it. That's all an heirloom yeah. means. Um, we can track back that this particular plant was grown by George Washington. That's what an heirloom is. Open pollinated means that this plant can reproduce on its own successfully and make similar copies of itself, right? Hybrids are plants that are crossed, like you may cross a paste tomato with a beefsteak tomato and it makes the perfect slicer, right? Or what have you. If you try and cross that plant, or if you try and breed that plant by collecting the seed and starting it next year, you won't have a consistent growing. You get a Frankenstein one. Yeah. It's like some of them will be beefsteaks. Some of them will be Romas or what have yeah, you. Yeah. Right? It's just all over the place. Yeah. So, um, however, hybrids are crossed for very specific reasons, whether it be flavors. Some people, especially in the tomato world, I feel like flavors are a big thing. Yeah. For us in the, our wonderful zone three that we reside, a lot of the hybrids that we grow are cold hardy and cold tolerant that wouldn't otherwise be cold tolerant. Yeah. So for us, that's, that's the thing. Hybrids tend to produce better. They just do. They're, they're bred to develop better and they, they get through a lot of circumstances that other plants wouldn't be able to get through. There's a word, right. a single word that would have covered that. Hardy. Maybe that's what I was looking for, but there's people, right. Who say hybrids are Frankensteins. Hybrids and GMOs are not the same thing. So just don't. Right. Yeah. If this is your first year, I highly recommend hybrids just because they do tend to be so much better growers. They they will give you success easier than heirlooms will or open pollinated plants. Um, so get one year under your belt where you say, oh, okay, now I understand how a broccoli grows and how broccoli works. And then venture out if you want to be a purist right. after that. Right. Yeah. So we definitely encourage you to source your seeds from good companies. We've covered so many and you just need to look at these places and maybe I'll get a list together of the different shout outs now as soon as I can because there are so many good independent seed farmers out there and we just really need to be supporting them yeah yeah because we've done quite a bit of of our shout outs and stuff and then yeah and combine that with our first episode right and there's a lot of uh, how do I say this there's a lot of troubling companies Mm -hmm. out there that you probably might want to avoid if you do your research so if we can provide good wholesome 
companies to buy from, that would be awesome. And I just think that it makes a huge difference. Like you might think that spending $40 on a seed is not a big deal, but to these smaller companies, it's everything. Yeah, totally. So I think sourcing that. And then also like when your aunt comes over and is like, oh, I love this variety. What is this? You can be like, well, I got it from this independent seed company Yeah. and this is their story. That's awesome. Like you're even giving more depth to your food that you otherwise wouldn't be able to have. Right. Totally. Shop local, shop small, do it. Do it. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Tag us. Tag us in your seed buying things. I want to see everyone's seeds. Yeah, totally. Totally. Seed, um, yeah, seeds are one of like the most exciting. Yeah. I love seeing everyone's packages, especially Mm -hmm. when they're independent companies. And I just really love that. It's my favorite. Totally. So also happy one year anniversary to us, Stephanie. Is it? It came back for the one year. I love that. Well, it's not today. It was like a couple days ago, but I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm like the worst. I'm the husband that forgets the anniversary. Well, I think I'm that person because you knew it was a couple days ago. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even know it was a couple days ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've been on recording podcasts for a whole last year. I love it. People have been listening. Yeah, that's the big surprise of the year, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Who listens to this nonsense? We have good friends. That's who. We do. We do. All right. You well, thanks, guys. Go yeah, I've got children all over the place. Right. <laughs> right. Same. <laughs> Happy milking. Happy milking. Bye. Bye. Bye.